2: From KMOX Sports. Okay boys, here we go. Welcome to the Gray Bar Sports Open
0: Line. Those mid swings and he hits a
2: drive. He hits a slammer!
0: bar your distributor for electrical and data needs. Here we go. Now
1: Matt Polly on America
0: Sports Voice, KMOX. all right man, let's get going here. Here
1: we go, here we go, here we go.
3: We do welcome you into another edition of a gray bar sports open line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly, just a one hour show tonight. We just wrapped up the SLU Women's Basketball Coaches Show. Tom Ackerman and uh, Coach Tillett had that for you. And now I've got you till 8 o'clock this evening right here on KMOX. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to check in with uh, Ed Smith, former NFL player. We'll we'll get his thoughts on uh, what went down yesterday in the National Football League. Pretty solid games. AFC Championship game, NFC Championship game. We now have a Super Bowl matchup. The Chiefs and the 49ers are going to play against each other coming up on Sunday, February 11th. Once again... Kansas City just finding a way. They get out to an early lead against Baltimore. Hold on with their defense in the second half and then a very different type of game in the NFC Championship where there was the Lions who got out to a very early halftime lead but give San Francisco credit. They come back strong in the second half, and they come back for that 34-31 victory to set up uh, a pretty solid Super Bowl here in a couple Sundays. And right now, San Francisco has opened up as a very slight favorite, point-and-a-half favorite. That surprised me a little bit, actually, I thought the winner of the Chiefs-Ravens game would end up being the winner of the Super Bowl. And if Baltimore would have won that game, they would have been favored, it sounds like, uh, in the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, but here we are, and the 49ers are favored against the Chiefs. So we'll spend a fair amount of time here over the next couple of weeks uh, leading up to uh, the Super Bowl. We'll get into them more of that coming up in just a few moments. Did want to touch on what the Cardinals did today. And a lot has been made of this, and sometimes things happen that really are probably not going to be that impactful. And I would say that this is probably one of those. Maybe I'm wrong on it. Uh, when when you see it, you kind of go, "Oh, okay. Why?" Like that was that was my first reaction to it. And the move was that the Cardinals uh, claimed Alfonso Rivas off of waivers from the Angels. They needed a spot on the 40-man roster, and they designate for assignment Moises Gomez. So, anytime the Cardinals do something, especially coming off the season that they had last year, there's going to be people that get upset about it. That's just that's where we're at right now in this whole thing. And for that vocal minority of people to not quite be as loud, bluntly the Cardinals need to put together a very good season. But coming off the season that they did, it, whether it's a Billy Joel concert or it's assigning a, a pitcher to a minor league contract or claiming a guy off waivers and designating another guy who doesn't have any major league service time, there's just going to be people out there that don't like what they're doing and they're going to find a reason not to like it. Now, if we're being very honest and very blunt, Alfonso Rivas, not a lot of upside, Last year, 48 games in the big leagues, hit 229, three home runs, 15 RBIs, 725 OPS, wasn't very good. He was fine at AAA last year, 332, nine home runs, 40 RBIs, and OPS uh, slightly above 1,000. But he's not the guy that had prodigious AAA power the way Moises Gomez did. Now, There was some optimism at one point about Gomez, especially leading into spring training last year. He was coming off that 39 home run year at AAA, and what happens? He gets an opportunity to go to the 40-man roster. He gets the opportunity to go to Major League Spring Training. He gets opportunity after opportunity after opportunity because tons of guys are not available, and they are at the World Baseball Classic, and bluntly, He didn't do a whole lot with that opportunity at spring training last year. So, and then he put up a perfectly fine season in Memphis, don't get me wrong, but it felt like something was learned about him and about his future prospects. Now, I think any time the Cardinals let somebody go, you get this this worry that is, is this guy going to be the next Dolas Garcia? Is this guy going to be the next Randy Rosarina? right? And most teams have examples of that. Unfortunately for the Cardinals right now, they've got two guys who they let go, who have put up really good numbers during a period where, especially last season, they didn't get the production that they they would have liked and they didn't have the wins that they would have liked, and those guys would have certainly helped the Cardinals win more games. So, I don't know. I just, a lot of people are upset. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if Rivas isn't even on the 40-man roster by the time uh, spring training gets underway. They've If they're going to add another arm, if they're going to bring in another relief pitcher, which I still absolutely expect them to do, they're going to have to make a 40-man roster move. And right now, Afonso Rivas pretty much assumes kind of that that 40th spot on the 40 man roster. Now, I don't know if, from a position player versus pitcher standpoint, if they would want to, you know, move things around and, and keep that. But on the same side, they got, they took James Nail off the 40 man roster when he got his contract sold to Korea, and then they signed Matt Carpenter. So that was a pitcher for position player kind of, you know, switch on the 40 man roster. So I, I don't know. It's, I, I, did the Cardinals get better by adding Alfonso Rivas to the organization? Probably not. That It's not a move that does a lot for you. Um, did, did Moises Gomez have much of a, a major league future? I, I don't think so. I think he proved himself to be one of those kind of guys who can really succeed and hit a lot of home runs at the Triple A level, but might not have uh, much of a future when it comes to the big leagues. That being said, guys can always get better. Guys can always improve, and you've got that kind of – You have that kind of talent and that that kind of power. That doesn't just grow on trees, and and you like to keep that in the organization. Maybe it stays in the organization. Maybe nobody picks him up off of waivers, and maybe nobody wants to give a 40-man roster spot to him. When you've got that much power, I feel like there's a good chance that some organization is going to take a flyer on him and think that they can maybe turn him into something I have a hard time believing that he is going to really turn into something. He he strikes out a lot. He doesn't make the contact that you need. He doesn't really have a defensive position. He uh, doesn't play first base, isn't especially good uh, in the outfield. You can DH him, but he's got to produce a lot more than he's producing if he's going to go to a team and, and mainly be a DH. So, uh, yeah, that that's the move today. And uh, I get it. It's a move that the Cardinals made that really doesn't make them that much better. And you're a a guy is walking out of the organization who, at least at the minor league level, did something at a really, really high level. And if we're being very fair about it, Moises Gomez last year at AAA, um, he hit 30 home runs. Alfonso Rivas last year at AAA did not hit that many home runs. He had a few now. Again, we're trying to play the fair card here. Uh, You look at what Rivas did in his 58 uh, AAA games last year, he had an OPS of 1,000. When you look at what Moises Gomez did in his uh, AAA games last year, he had an OPS of 750, despite the fact that he hit 30 home runs. So uh, Rivas' OPS was 250 points higher mainly because of the strikeouts. You you look at uh, what Gomez did last year. He had 180 strikeouts in 514 at-bats the year before, 174 strikeouts in 442 at-bats. And we saw that from him uh, in, in spring training, too, where he just didn't have any power. In fact, the power, he had every opportunity to make the team last year uh, in spring training he just didn't hit home runs and then he got to triple A once again and it took him a little while to start hitting home runs he finally did and it came together for him but yeah that's that's the move today i don't uh, i don't think there's a lot of reason to be too terribly upset by it I, I only think there's probably a 50-50 shot that Revis is even on the 40-man roster when when spring training gets underway that if again if they end up signing a relief pitcher which i still think they're going to do Uh, time is running low. We're about two weeks out from pitchers and catchers reporting. If that's going to happen, it needs to happen sooner or later. But if the Cardinals do add a legitimate, uh, high leverage, back of the rotation kind of guy, doesn't have to be a closer, but has to be someone that you can hand the ball in a one-run lead in the seventh inning or the eighth inning, if that's still a guy that they're going to bring in. And there's tons of guys available. Uh, It's at some point, things have to start moving, and we've seen a little bit, a little bit of movement here over the last week or so, but my goodness, I mean, just when you look at some of the top-tier free agents that are available, regardless of position, a Cody Bellinger, a Matt Chapman, a Blake Snell, a Jordan Montgomery, these guys are all available, and... um there's the Jack Peterson signed today, but I mean, Jorge Soler is still available. Justin Turner, J.D. Martinez, if the Cardinals were to say, you know what, we're going to give a guy the bulk of the D.H. at-bats. Martinez is somebody who would fit in on the roster, but at the same time, if you brought in somebody like that, uh, it's going to cost you some money, and it's going to take some at-bats away from somebody else. But the point I'm trying to make is there are a ton of guys. There are a ton of guys who are still available out there uh, as a free agent, and at some point, these players are going to have to start moving. All right, we're going to talk NFL football here for a little while. Uh, our good friend Ed Smith, former NFL player, he is going to uh, join us in just a moment. We'll get his thoughts on uh, what happened yesterday on Championship Sunday with the uh, AFC and NFC championship games. We'll do that next as we continue on. It's a Graybar sports open line right here on KMOX. got it? it's a great bar sports open line right here on KMOX yesterday one of the best sports days of the year to high quality football games probably super bowl caliber games without uh, all the Pomp and circumstance that goes along with the Super Bowl. Love Conference Championship Sunday, Game 1. Chiefs over the Ravens, 17-10 to in the AFC. Game 2, 49ers over the Lions, 34-31 in the NFC Championship game. With that, very happy to welcome on to the program via the Quiver River Electric guest line. He is a former NFL tight end. He is Ed Smith, and uh, he joins us right now. Ed, always appreciate you taking uh, some time with us. Uh, remind folks that they can follow you on Twitter, at EdSmith.com. Speaks. Thanks
1: for taking the time. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Matt. Always a pleasure to jump on with you, man.
3: How much did you enjoy those games yesterday? Each game was uh, was was pretty entertaining for its own unique kind of way.
1: Absolutely, man. That, and I, it's almost a, you know, one of the best weekends of the year because of those two games. We normally get two quality teams or four quality teams going at it, two separate games, and it did not disappoint at all yesterday. It's such a ball watching both of those, and it was sad that either team, you know, the two teams that had to lose, because everybody, it seemed like all four teams had a good story, uh, if not great story, heading into it. But, you know, as we know, somebody had to move on, and somebody had to call the year and pack those bags up today.
3: In the AFC Championship, is is the bigger story that the Chiefs found a way to win, or is it that a Ravens team that spent much of the year considered the Super Bowl favorite, uh, end up losing, and once again we see Lamar Jackson not have that much playoff success?
1: I think it's a combination because, you know, the way the Ravens went through the regular season, and, you know, they played some of these quality teams uh, through their march through the regular season. We saw them beat up one San Francisco. We saw them destroy Detroit. So we kind of figured if they could just get through the AFC, not necessarily be guaranteed, but it would obviously be the front runner to win the Super Bowl. So for them to, you know, their season to come to an end in such a kind of anti-climactic flood is a little bit of a surprise. You know, they've been high-powered all year, and to only put up 10 points in the game and for Lamar to look so pedestrian, it's something that we didn't see all season. And then, you know, they got their playoff win last week against the Texans, So you thought this was their time, if not now, when? You know, because you got the the, the reigning champ, but they're coming into your place. And it was almost like, you know, this was all set up for them. So, you know, but I I will be honest with you, I did pick Kansas City uh, through all my prognostication last week just because until you beat the champ, you know, I can't call you the champ. So I just I knew, or at least I felt like Kansas City had at least one big punch left in them. I didn't think it would be this kind of a lethargic um kind of effort from Baltimore though.
3: When you look at the rest of the top of the AFC this was a year the Chiefs were a little bit more pedestrian than the year during the season. The offense wasn't quite as good. Mahomes didn't have as many weapons around them. This felt like the year that maybe they could exit the playoffs early, and you have them knocking off Buffalo in Buffalo. You have them knocking off Baltimore in Baltimore. It almost feels like if those teams that are that good can't beat Kansas City at home when Kansas City is having the season that they had this year, they're never going to beat Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City.
1: Exactly, and you know, because you gotta imagine that even no matter what happens in two weeks, Kansas City's going to try to reload, take care of some of their issues. We know Kelsey's getting a little older, but they still, you know, they can surround Patrick with enough. And Nash, there's never going to be another Kelsey, but they'll just dump somebody. So you gotta imagine this was the year to get them. They seemed like they were down, you know, only scoring, you know, minimal. They either did it a couple different ways. They'd either get points early and not score the rest of the game, or they wouldn't put up anything throughout the game. In this one, you know, they got their 17 early, didn't score in the second half, and you imagine that would have been enough for a victory for Baltimore. But what I tell you, what it shows you, though, Matt, they're not just relying on that offense. That defense is something special. And if they can continue to move that forward and then, like I said, retool on the offensive side, these teams that had their shot this year they might be, you know, this is what Patrick's sixth consecutive mm. AFC Championship. I mean, they might be staring up at him for the next ten to twelve years. You just don't know it, but I mean, Baltimore definitely left some cards on the table, and I know they got to be feeling real bad right about now. Because, like you know, even with with Buffalo, if not now, when? You know?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You were a tight end. Where does Travis Kelsey rank for you in terms of the the greatest tight ends of all time?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I, I, I love what he does. I love the freedom he has. You know, Gronk was, you know, more structured in terms of he ran his routes. He was just so big and dom- dominant, you know, and Brady knew if sometimes I got to throw up top and he'll go up and get it. And then when he did get the ball, he was like a lumbering Frankenstein. You know, he was just beat people up down the field. Kelsey, man, and I've seen some of the great ones. I, uh, you know, um, you know, Tony Gonzalez, I mean, you on the list of them um kelsey just has so much freedom and he and patrick have developed it's almost like they it's like they they know that they have their own sign language sometimes he runs these routes and they're so non-traditional routes but you know mahomes knows exactly what he's doing he'll stop he'll find a window um, to answer the question man i'm he's in my top three definitely and i mean you know i'm I might. I, I don't like saying, like, he's my number one, you know, because one day it could be this one, one day it could be that one. But I'll be doggone, and he is in my top three. And on any given Sunday, he could be number one for me.
3: Absolutely. We're talking with uh, Ed Smith, former NFL tight end. Let's jump over to the uh, the NFC Championship game. How much, how much do you criticize Dan Campbell for the way he coached that game where you see the Lions get up big, but then they allow the 49ers to come back and win it in the second half?
1: You don't like to criticize them because they were there when 30, what the uh, 28 other teams were sitting at home this weekend and he's done it his way. What I don't like Matt. And I was joking with my radio partner earlier today. We did a podcast and I, it was almost like he went into this game. It was almost like it was premeditated murder, man. He at some point he was going to go for it on fourth down regardless of the situation, regardless of, you know, the circumstances, because that's how we play. And that's what we do. And for me, every not every fourth down, not every circumstance is the same. And I just think in that situation, he had too many opportunities to say, you know what, I know we normally do this, but let's go ahead and kick that field goal here and go up on them three scores or let's tie the game late in the contest. And, you know, you can even see in the first half, the end of the first half, when he had to settle for that field goal, it it hurt his heart Mm -hmm. even just to kick that one. And it was almost like, look, man, you got to do what you got to do. And like I said, the the final two were, for me, I'm not going to say he lost the game for the team, his decisions, but he put them in compromising positions. Now, the players have a responsibility as well. They should have made at least one of those, um, the first one, so that wide receiver, he should have caught that. I know it was a little behind him. He should have caught that. Then we'd be talking about, oh, my God, Dan and it worked out. For but in my opinion, people go by three schools. It might be a totally different contest. And sometimes, in my, I think, moving forward, they need to designate somebody as number two in charge that has the ability, if it comes down to it, to overturn Campbell because he's his own worst enemy sometimes. And, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, I know, you know, the United States, we got that red button out there somewhere, but they have to go (laughs) through a whole lot of protocol before before somebody pushes that button. They need somebody to help him with protocol because I do think he cost them this game with the attitude of we're going for this regardless. And, you know, like I said, you know, they're sitting at home now, and he might not say it, but I'm I'm sure – You might regret it a little bit.
3: Isn't it incredible that a 24 to seven lead at halftime feels insurmountable. But then when you really watch football, you see teams do what the 49ers did, where they, where they score, what was it? The 17 unanswered points in the better part of eight minutes. And they got some help from the lions during that period as well, for sure. But the, these games that seem very one-sided can turn very quickly.
1: Well, you know, and that's, that's true. And at the same time, we saw the jump; the Lions jump out to the twenty-four to seven lead. It was almost the script. The script was flipped, but we see it's all about momentum. And just as they did it in the first half, you could almost feel it happening in the second half. And the problem for me it was aided by the Lions, obviously with penalties, you know, with uh, Flowers and the unsportsmanlike contact. Then, you know, then them fumbling the ball shortly after. With his extension, try to get into the end zone. Then a lot of running backs fumbled it. It was like almost like the script, you know. And I, it's funny, I have people all the time asking me, is it scripted in the NFL? Because why do these teams always seem to wear that? If this was a movie, Matt, <laughs> this is exactly how they would have written it yep. for the excitement and everything down the stretch. But all it is, is circumstance, it's cause and effect. You know, we saw. The 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 49ers looked totally disheveled in the first half. They turned things around, and then that momentum started to roll down the hill. And Detroit, poor Detroit, couldn't stop it. And you know who I feel so sorry for, Matt, is those Detroit Lions fans that have been starving for their for so long. You know how excited they were up 24 to seven, just like my Falcons fans were a few years ago, 28 to three. Yep. And you just can never tell, man.
3: Uh, uh, A couple more things for you. We're talking with former NFL tight end uh, Ed Smith. Do you believe in Brock Purdy?
1: I do. And I've been trying to scream his name from the mountaintops. And here's the thing. I don't think he has any more ability than probably a lot of quarterbacks in the range from 12 to 20. But that dude has something special in terms of you can't rattle him. He takes what he gives you. And he understands his limitations. He's not out there trying to do too much. He's not trying to throw a ball like Josh Allen. He's not trying to scramble like Lamar Jackson. He's doing what Brock Purdy can do within that system. If you want to call him a system quarterback, go right ahead. He's just system quarterbacked himself to the Super Bowl. And like I said, he, I mean, I love that dude, man. I love the fact that nobody has given you—you you know him any props. You know, A lot of people, I shouldn't say nobody. But he's just proving people wrong one week at a time. And, you know, you don't see anything from him other than he's going out there and playing football, loving it. And I love how his teammates have rallied around him. That dude has won that locker room. You've got veterans on that team that, I mean, you couldn't tell the difference between him and a dude that's won a Pro Bowl, you know, six, seven times on that roster. He is the man leading that brigade. And I think, you know, people, regardless of what happens in the Super Bowl, he's going up against, one of the best to ever do it. Regardless of what happens in the Super Bowl, he won me over a long time ago, and I hope he continues on his path because he's doing it the right way. And, I, you know, I think a lot of people will eventually see he's more than just a dude just out there calling signals and handing the ball off.
3: Still a lot of time left between now and February 11th, but early on, who do you like in that Super Bowl matchup?
1: Oh, it might change 10 times before we get to the game itself. Oh, my goodness. And, and you know nobody has home field advantage. I you, when you look at what Mahomes has done, you know first time going on the road to play any of these playoff games, he went through Buffalo, he went through uh, uh, Baltimore. I can't root against the move. Everything that the Forty ers have going for them, he is the, in my opinion, the he's the wild card. And until somebody beats him, I gotta say it's gonna be a good, hopefully great game. But somehow Kansas City pulls this out for their back-to-back. And I don't – like I said, I could change my mind over the next couple of weeks, but it's hard to root against uh, what Kansas City has done. And also, you give – both are great uh, coaches and, you know, planners, but both of them have two weeks to prepare. I'm excited to see what kind of wrinkles they all come up with to make this an exciting game. But I'm leaning toward uh, KC at this time, uh.
3: He is former NFL tight end Ed Smith. You follow him on Twitter at Ed Smith Speaks. Ed, I always appreciate you taking time with us. I'm sure we'll talk again real soon.
1: Anytime, Matt. I don't know if you're gonna be out there for the game. I'll be out there for a couple of days. If you are, I look forward to maybe seeing and meeting you, man.
3: I- I've got to head down to spring training, so I'm not gonna make it for that. But uh, hopefully, our paths oh, do okay. cross at some point soon
1: sometime soon. Frank, thank you, man. Appreciate Uh, you having me on.
3: You bet. Very good. There's Ed Smith joining us here on the program. One of my favorite people to talk uh, NFL football with. Uh, We will take a break. When we come back, I want to get into something that I wouldn't say it's controversial, but uh, anytime Kansas City goes this far and there's a lot of people in St. Louis rooting for the Chiefs, uh, there's a certain contingent of people that don't really like that. We'll address that coming up in just a moment as we roll on with the Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX.
0: It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. America Sports Voice, KMOX.
3: Back at it here on KMOX. It is a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Have you for about another 20 minutes? Uh, we've got a special edition of At Your Service tonight. Uh, it's not Wednesday, but Brad Young is gonna be in the house. He'll join us for a little bit coming up in just a while. So I debated internally. Matt should you do this or Matt should you not do this on whether or not I wanted to address this today? Because the chiefs are obviously in the Super Bowl. and if you you would have to not be paying attention to not be able to admit that St. Louis has very much turned into a chiefs town. If you're driving around, you're seeing Chiefs license plate frames. If you're at the store, you're seeing people wear chiefs gear. It's all low. It's not to the level of the Cardinals clearly but right now I might be seeing more chief stuff than I see blue stuff I would, last year, at times, I felt like City SC had kind of taken over that number two spot in terms of the merchandise that you see most often. Now the Blues are in the middle of a five-game winning streak. If they make a run to the playoffs, I'm sure that changes a little bit. Right now, at this moment, is not the the best time to to judge. You know, the most popular teams, but clearly uh, there is a level of popularity of Kansas City Chiefs football in the St. Louis metro area more so than any other. NFL team and whenever I talk about this even if I'm just having a conversation on Twitter I want to be really clear on something if you are still mad at the NFL about the way they handled St. Louis and the way the Rams left you are you're not wrong you are you have every right to be angry you have every right to be someone that says you know what I can't support this league. I can't support any team. If that is your thought process, if that is your belief, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. I get it. You are 100% justified in feeling that way. Here's here's the narrative that irks me a little bit, though. You might feel that way, and that's true for you, but then you get angry when other people – support the chiefs. or you get angry when your favorite radio station <clears throat> maybe airs the chiefs games. and you say, what well, but what are you doing? the The chiefs, they're part of the NFL that treated St. Louis so badly. The chiefs are a team that voted to allow the Rams to leave St. Louis. And I'm not saying any of these things are wrong. Again, you feel this way. I'm not saying you're wrong. You are completely justified in feeling the way that you feel. Where I get frustrated is this guilt trip that is given by people who feel this way that nobody else can like. The, if you are a true St. Louisan, you can't like the Chiefs. You can't like the NFL. If you are a truce, if you're the voice of St. Louis, you can't run the Chiefs games. What are you doing? This makes me so angry. And all I would say to that is a lot of people in St. Louis love football. A lot of people in St. Louis love the NFL, the product, and they continue to do so even post Rams. I think, I think we, as St. Louis sports fans proved how great of fans we were of football. When the, when the Rams were here, we supported a crap product for a long time. And when the product was good, there wasn't a better place to play than St. Louis. And there are people here who still love the NFL. The, the game last weekend, not the AFC Championship game, but the game last weekend against Buffalo, St. Louis had the third highest rating TV-wise of any market in the country. Only Kansas City and Buffalo had a higher TV rating than St. Louis. So there is, there is interest. And if you're a St. Louis sports fan and you want to have an NFL team to root for, there's nothing wrong with rooting for the Chiefs. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about football and having a team to root for. So that's that's what I get frustrated with. It's not that you feel the way that you feel. Go feel that way. That's fine. It's the guilt trip. And I look, I, I see it on the text line every single day. They were talking about uh, the chiefs earlier today, uh, Amy and Chris, and the text messages start coming in about how how can you ever support this team in this league? Yada, 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 yada. It's football. It's the most powerful uh, force basically going in the country. When it comes to TV ratings, there is nothing. There is nothing that touches the NFL. It is a very popular thing. And a lot of people, a lot of people in St. Louis have picked up on the Chiefs as being their team because they're just down the road three hours from here. If you don't like them, if you don't like the NFL, that's fine. I'm sorry that we're talking about it a bunch. I actually I try to limit how much I talk about it because I know I turn people off at times when we are discussing it. But at the same time, I just I don't think there's anything wrong with it at the same time. If if you're on the other side of it, I understand you. You stay there. I'm not trying to pull you over, but I would say at the same time, don't try to guilty, guilt trip the other people who are maybe on the other side of that line. We'll take one more break when we come back. Our guy, Brad Young, he is in the house. He's doing a special Monday night program. He doesn't look like Hancock or Kelly. He's Brad Young. He's in tonight for At Your Service. We got a few things to get into uh, with him coming up in just a moment. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open line on KMOX. It's your attorney here. I am the
2: attorney.
3: When you hear this music, that means you are going to be hearing Brad Young during At Your Service. And uh, he has graced us with his presence a few minutes early here uh, on a Gray Bar Sports Open line. Brad, good
2: to see you. Mr. Pauly, it's always good to see you.
3: Now, I know you heard my, I don't know if it's a rant, you heard my explanation of uh, well,
2: my frustration yes. with a
3: certain contingent of people yes. when it comes to not liking that some people root for the Chiefs. Do you have a, a voice in all this?
2: Well, First of all, I, I agree with your rant uh, and I agree with the, the point because I've had that expressed to me because I will tell you during the years when Stan Kroenke was leaving with the Rams and during the litigation, <clears throat> there was no greater voice than mine against Stan Kroenke. Mm-hmm. And so I've had people approach me and say, well, then, <clears throat> excuse me, aren't you the anti-NFL? I'm like, heck no. I watch football every Sunday. I enjoy the product. So what occurred to me, though, was this, is that there's a difference between the product and the process. Yes. The product being football games, the process being the cabal of narcissists who run the NFL and how they do everything in order to enrich their already engorged pockets. So having said that, though, what occurred to me was it's it's like the old saying about making sausage. You know, I... I love sausage. There's nothing I like better for breakfast than than biscuits and gravy with a side of sausage. Okay. but you And I've actually seen sausage be made. And you still up, eat it. And I still eat it. Okay. Even knowing how that happens. But most people would never eat sausage again if they watch how it's made, okay? But I can separate the process from the product and say, I still love the product don't like the process.
3: And it's okay for the people who can't. That's fine. You're totally vegan, fine. Yeah.
2: If you're vegan, God bless you. Yeah. You're entitled to be vegan. Just don't tell me I have to be vegan. Right. But isn't that the same here by saying if the if the vegan analogy is to the NFL haters, if you want to be an NFL, NFL hater, God bless you. But you don't have to tell me that I have to be an NFL hater just because I love St. Louis.
3: That's my point. Yep. Thank you. Exactly. You, said it, you said it better than I did. Oh, I, I don't know about that. But I,
2: but I had another question for sure. you. Sure. So you, I don't know if you remember Ryan Wrecker when he was here. Yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me, so Ryan and I uh, stay in touch. We text each other all the time. We talk often. And he's in Detroit. And he was born in Detroit, and he's gone back to Detroit. Lifelong Detroit Lions fan, right? So the whole football season, we've been texting. We've been keeping in contact. So, uh, uh, you know, yesterday, obviously, it went from – uh, elation to deflation, okay? <laughs> Very much so. In yesterday's game. Our own Kevin Wheeler was in the exact same spot. Exactly. Yes. But but it occurred to me that when you watch a game, are you, because when, whenever I try a lawsuit, it's my job to to be emotionally separated from the action because my client's upset, the plaintiff is upset, everybody's upset, I got to be the cool head in the room, right? So whenever you are watching a game, Are you able to get emotionally involved in the game? Or do you have to stay to some degree dispassionate in order to provide analysis the following day?
3: I never stay dispassionate because my passion for sports is part of what makes me good at my job. So I, I, I never become dispassionate. Do I become neutral at times? And it depends on who I'm working for in any given moment. Let's say I'm doing a college basketball game for like ESPN Plus or something. Well, then I'm not, I'm not working for either school. Mm-hmm. So that is what I'm doing there is I'm being passionate and I'm being excited about the good things that happen for each team. So that's how I approach that. Now, when I'm watching a Cardinal game, when when that game gets over, I'm on the Cardinal Radio Network. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing a game for ESPN. I'm not on some third party thing. Right. I'm on the Cardinal Radio Network. Now I can't be a homer. I can't sit here oh, and sure. you know just lose touch, you know lose base with lose touch with reality and say things that are not true because then I lose credibility. But I have no problem having more excitement for when the Mm -hmm. Cardinals do things well, as opposed to when they do things poorly, as they did a lot of this past year. Now, if I was a newspaper writer, if I'm Derek Gould, it's a little bit different. He's a journalist from uh, and he's a he's a you know he's a reporter and from that he's got a not as much passion. I think Derek loves seeing great things happen, not because it doesn't really matter who does it. It's just, you know, amazing things are amazing things and you love the game of baseball. Uh, but there is a lot more neutrality and less hmm. less excitement there than what I do.
2: Well, I, I I've wondered that because I know if you're calling a game, you've got to be excited, but if you're breaking it down I just wanted to hear your uh, your take on that. I will never be dispassionate.
3: That's the uh, I'll be a lot of things. Don't take my passion away because I don't think I have a whole lot left after that. That's Brad Young. He's got at your service tonight, a special Monday night edition of, uh, of Brad. You don't want to go anywhere. I appreciate you being tuned in. Short show tomorrow. We'll have you for about 45 minutes and then get out of here early for uh, Slew Billikins basketball. I'll talk to you again tomorrow at 6 o'clock for another Graybar Sports Open Line here on
0: KMOX. <laughs>